Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for checking into the best Houston sports podcast. And joining me is Michael Brown, host of the Dream Take podcast for the Dream Shake. As most of you know, the dreamshake.com covers the Rockets as part of SB Nation. Great to have you on the show, Michael. Do I got all that right? You got everything correct. It's a pleasure to be here and uh, look forward to it. Let's come right out of the gate talking Jabari Smith. And, hey, I thought he'd be good defensively, Michael, but after watching him a ton at Auburn, even I'm surprised at how good he's looked. His ability to stay in front of defenders of all sizes immediately is impressive. The big thing is what a drastic difference we should see basically with Christian Wood replacing or being replaced by Jabari on that end of the floor, don't you think? Oh, it's not even close. I mean, you look at Jabari, his ability to cover, in my opinion, positions one through four. And I know we live in a positionless era, which I think is ridiculous because I think basketball, you have to have those certain roles. You have to have a point guard. You have to have, you know, a shooting guard. You have to get a guy who can get his shot whenever he wants. You got to have wing defenders somewhere in, in today's game, six, four to six, eight, you know, six, nine, six, 10, potentially. And then you need a big man. Jabari can cover one through four. What I want to caution Rockets fans with is it's summer league, right? And that's the, what we got. Everybody's getting caught up in how great everybody looks in summer league, which is great. And I love optimism. I'm an optimistic kind of guy by nature. I think we need to temper it a little bit because from what I saw with Jabari, I think he's going to struggle with certain things at the next level, but I think he's going to be fine. I think he's going to be a very, very good player, borderline all-star borderline second team, third team, all NBA. Uh, But I like what I've seen thus far. The three-point shot wasn't falling through all the summer league games. And I think the the thing is, oh, a lot of people think, well, he was just cold. You know, he was cold through the whole summer league. But it's way more than that. You know, every single NBA player has to go through that transition because the three-point line is further out. And he was not Steph Curry in college. I watched most of his games. He wasn't taking that shot from Steph Curry-like range, which is, you know, the the stuff that you would see a lot of guys that if if they're going to come in and they're going to be successful, they would have had to stretch it a few feet beyond what the college three-point line. So that's going to be an adjustment. And, of course, he he didn't take any corner threes, which is the easiest one to convert from college to the pros. Yeah, I mean, last year, if you look at shots attempted by him at what NBA range would have been, He was a 40% three-point shooter. Dropped a little bit from 42% on the year. Jabari's going to be okay. I'm not worried about Jabari. I'm not worried about Tari Eason. I'm not worried about Ty Ty Washington. Where I'm going to have a focus of where I think this team is going to struggle is at the big man position. What can Jabari do against the centers that we're going to go up against that I'm afraid he's going to be asked to play against? The three-point shot is going to fall. It's summer league. I mean, it's a glorified pickup game. They may as well have been playing those games at a local YMCA. It's no different. With no shot clock, it wouldn't have mattered, right? We're not going to think any less or any more of a guy like Jabari Smith. He's a top five pick. In my opinion, he should have been the number one pick. He's going to be, in my opinion, he's going to have the second best career of anybody in this draft when it's all said and done. The Rockets are going to be just fine. They got an A-plus for the draft pick. And I look forward to seeing what he can do with the main roster. Outside of Joel, Joel Embiid and Jokic, I don't know if there's a big guy that I'm worried about him guarding. And I feel like 
those two guys, you're probably going to put Shane Goon on them. Not that he's going to be able to handle, not that anybody handles those two guys, but I think the the, the heftier guys, that's going to be Shane Goon's assignment because Silas basically said it's going to be Shane Goon and Jabari starting. And that's the message that I got from from what he said during Summer League. Well, outside of those, I mean, you didn't talk about Carl Anthony Towns. You didn't cover Deon, you know, DeAndre Ayton. Uh, the nights that you're going to go up against a guy like Jonas Valanciunas, uh, uh, Joseph Nurkic, who just got $80 million in Portland. The thing is, the Rockets are given a ton of confidence in a guy like Shingun. Shingun didn't even average 25 minutes a game last year. So if Shingun gets into foul trouble, who are they going to go to at the five? Are you going to small ball five it with Tari Eason? No, because him and Garuba are the same size. Are you going to go with Garuba, who can never you know, stay healthy, what it looks like ever since he's left Spain. The Rockets did a deplorable job addressing the big man position this offseason. Some of that's going to fall into the lap of Jabari Smith, I'm afraid. And that's not his position. They're going to misplay him in that spot, just like they did with Daniel Tice, who they give $32 million to in the offseason, misplay him and then blame him and trade him. You know, Christian Wood playing out of position too. That's the, that's the crux of what I think Jabari Smith is going to struggle with, not shooting the ball. Shangoon, I'm excited about, but this is a guy who averaged nine and five last year. That's our starting five. Well, I, I guess my point is if, if those teams go to Nurkic and some of the guys that you just mentioned, if, if their offense is going in, we're going to post these guys up, then you've won that matchup because that, that's not – a recipe for success for most of the teams out there. And, you know, I'm not concerned about that because I think this, this league has moved to a point where, you know, you need somebody that's mobile. And I, and I think there, there's going to be times where Jabari Smith is going to be playing center when Shane Goon's on the bench. I mean, those two guys, I feel like at, at all points, you're going to have one of those two guys in the lineup, at least if Silas knows what he's doing. And one of those two guys is going to be playing center. And the, what he can give you Jabari is, yeah, it, you can bully ball him, but I mean, there's there there isn't it's not Moses Malone NBA. You know, this is not uh, where hey, I'm going to throw it into the post and let's bully ball Jabari Smith, and that's going to be our offense, and that's going to what's going to lead to success. So I think you replace Jabari Smith with Christian Wood. You flip those two, and it's going to make a big difference. And, and Mike, let me just ask you this: um, you know, I'm not sure the Rockets have enough vets like the Cavs with Jared Allen and Darius Garland for Jabari to help the Rockets the same way we saw this jump with Evan Mobley last year in the Cavs. But do you think the combo of a Jabari and maybe what we saw from J- Jalen late last year, you know, Sky's getting 30 points a game late last year could mean potentially a 10 win jump. And I also had Jalen's defense looked a lot better last year too. It definitely did. And I'm not necessarily worried about bully ball necessarily. I'm worried about the putbacks right? Or the, the type of offense that was created by guys literally just getting to the hole whenever they wanted. And they weren't afraid of anybody at the rim. Could Jabari impact that aspect of the game? Absolutely. 100%. But look at even in Boston, Robert Williams, Draymond Green, prototypical today's NBA center. The girth that Draymond Green has, he plays much bigger than 6'8". We all know that. Do I think the Rockets can win 10 more games next year than they did this past year? Yes. I do. I think Jalen Green, budding superstar, they're going to struggle if they start KPJ at the one. He's not a point guard. Ty Ty Washington, in my opinion, is better suited to run this team than a guy like Kevin Porter Jr. 
I think if you add Jabari, you keep Kevin Porter Jr. in the starting lineup. This is a 30-win team in my in my estimation. 30 to 33, 34 wins. Some things break your way. Can they hit 35, 36 wins? Yeah, probably. That still puts you in no man's land. Well, hold on, because that's interesting that you brought that up. Because just for fun, I started thinking about how good can the Rockets, uh, how good can they be to get to a play-in game? Where do they need to get? How good do you need to be? Last year, the worst play-in team was 14 wins better than the Rockets. So that was 34 wins. And you got to jump five Western Conference teams. Now, I'll give you five teams. And you tell me if any of these teams could jump, where the Rockets could jump or you know, well, first of all, I think the Spurs and Jazz are in full tank mode. Very realistic for the Rockets to jump those two teams. So they would have to jump three more teams. Could they jump the Thunder, Trailblazers, and Sacramento Kings? They could. Yeah. I mean, they could. I mean, if I had to bet money on it, I would say no. I yeah. think there's I think there's too many glaring holes on this team. Uh, starting at the top with Silas. I don't believe in Silas. I like Silas. I'd like to have a beer with Steven Silas. I heard he's a nice guy. Nice guys don't finish the job. And that's what the Rockets need is they need a guy. Ironically enough, I think they hired him this offseason. I think they put his replacement on the staff in Lionel Hollins. I'm a big Lionel Hollins fan. My ultimate hire would be Sam Cassell. I believe Sam Cassell should be the longest tenured coach in the Rockets organization outside of Rudy Tomjanovich. I believe Cassell has been groomed to be a head coach, and I would be remiss if we did not at least mention that on the show. Now, do I think that they're better than Oklahoma City? I think it's going to be close. I think Oklahoma City is going to be a tad better than the Rockets this year, probably by a couple games. I think Sacramento with De'Aaron Fox, and now what looks like Keegan Murray is going to be a, a pretty good addition to that team with Sabonis, too. they got some nice pieces on that team. And then who's the third team you asked about? Uh, the three, well, the three teams that I thought maybe they could jump the Thunder. I mean, you, you know, they're they got a lot of young guys like the Rockets, but you know, yeah. there are a lot of talent there too as well. And, and they have somebody that's a really good player with way more experience in SGA. You know, and then the, the Trailblazers. I mean, the Kings. Yeah, anything's possible with the Kings. We know that. But yeah, uh, right. and and the Trailblazers where, where they are with I think trying to build a whole new team. And you have no idea what you're going to get from Dame. I mean, that to me, that those those two are definitely realistic. And the Thunder, I mean, they're they're all realistic. They're all realistic. You know, they, they went out and they got they re-signed Nurkic, who I think was important in Portland. You got Jeremy Grant, who I think was an, an important addition to that team. Look, I, I went into last season being as optimistic as anybody about the Rockets, and they literally took my heart out, threw it on the ground, and stomped on it. I mean, that's that's the feeling of, I mean. If you ask the front office of the Rockets, I mean, put yourself in their shoes. They're, they're going to tell you if they're being truthful, they want Victor Wenbanyama. Everybody wants Victor Wenbanyama. Everybody wants that guy in next year's draft. The writing is on the wall if you're the Rockets. What did you do in, in the offseason this year? You re-signed Jay Sean Tate. He wasn't going to get more money anywhere else. Well, what else have you done outside of drafting three young kids? You now have seven draft picks who are going to play meaningful minutes it looks like on this team next year they're trying to tank now the team i think is too talented to tank which is a problem that's a major problem in, a, in an organization in my opinion well it's not a problem if you know that means you got some guys that can really play basketball and that's all you're asking for and I, you know jabari smith 
we can talk summer league and it's meaningless, but what the, what he showed me being able to guard pretty much everybody on the floor, switching off, blocking shots, uh, being the quarterback of the defense, communicating with guys, all the stuff that we did not see ever from Christian Wood. And you say, what did they do in the offseason? They got rid of Christian Wood and they added Jabari Smith. And that's a huge, I still maintain that is a massive difference. And we saw how much better the Rockets were at the end of last year when Christian Wood was not on the floor and Shangoon started and then Jalen Green started coming on. And you could see that, oh, when Jalen Green gets more shots and, you know, maybe KPJ gets a few more shots, then it's things start to go a little bit better. And, and when Shane Goon's out on the floor, not saying he's this incredible guy, but I, I think he equates more to winning than, than Christian Wood. And one of the things you talk about trying to get better, and, and you mentioned this earlier, rebounding. The Rockets were 25th in defensive rebounding last year. If the starting lineup includes Tate, Shane Goon, and Jabari, which what I heard from Silas, it's it's more leaning towards those three are your starting three bigs. That's likely from what Silas said is are the guys. And then you have Tari coming off the bench. You led the summer league in rebounding for what it's worth. You'd assume the rebounding makes a significant jump from there, Michael. You're swapping out Garrison Matthews minutes. Think about this. Who didn't rebound at all for Tari Eason minutes, basically from last year. And, and obviously getting rid of Christian Wood who he, he didn't know the meaning of blocking out. You know, the ball would go up in the air and I would look at Christian Wood and he's just, uh, you know, r- running around in circles. Don't forget about Josh Christopher and Ty Ty Washington, who I think are going to play meaningful minutes. When it, when it comes to the rebounding part, I, I like what, what you pointed on. I think in the future, I think Tari Eason's, I would say by the all-star break, will be the starting three on this team. I think Tate goes to the bench. I like Jay Sean Tate. I love Jay Sean Tate, I should say. But he is what he is. He's a nice guy. Nice role player is what he is. Tari Eason's ceiling is so much bigger than what Jayshon Tate is. It's just truthful, right? And then you don't forget about a guy like K.J. Martin. You know, the Rockets have 19 guys under contract. What are they going to do with the rest of those guys? It's a very interesting question, and it's shocking to me how they've gotten to this predicament. Like, they're... Their roster is an island of misfit toys, it feels like. You know what I mean? Like, there's just a bunch of guys. I just don't know where they fit. And it's going to be fascinating to see what they do to trim the roster down, A. B, is there a guy out there that they can bring in to try and take them to that next level? I thought it was DeAndre Ayton. Is it Colin Sexton? I don't know. Right. And, you know, I I brought up uh, in my last podcast with Ben DuBose, we were talking about it, and I said – Look, uh, go go to Detroit and ask for Nerlens Noel, and you probably give up a second round pick, and you you give them a couple of those uh, vets that you've got on the roster because I don't see how they're going to use Nerlens Noel. At least it gives you somebody, it gives you that option for a big man who can be a vertical threat, who can be a defensive rebounding guy and block shots and stuff like that. But again, after what I saw from Jari, I, I was way more impressed. We'll see what happens. I want to ask you one thing about Tari Eason. Sure. The one thing I I just want him to work on. Because I loved just about everything that we saw from him. He's got to work on finishing around a basket, around the basket. His regular issue and one of the more frustrating parts of his game, which reminds me a lot of KPJ, who's terrible at finishing around the basket. But with Tari Eason, it was just like he was going in there to get lay, to, for layups. It's like, this is the NBA. You got to go in there and dunk the basketball. It, it seemed like you know, the guy is 6'8", this great athlete. Go in there to, and look to jam the basketball. Don't look to lay it up. 
And, and that's the one thing I want to see from him. KPJ, I keep wishing he, he's going to change in that way, but it doesn't look like it. Yeah, Tari Eason to me is Otis Thorpe, you know, to keep it local to Houston. He reminds me a lot of Otis Thorpe. Uh, athletic as all get out, can get up and down the floor. He's just a lot of fun to watch. I think, I think the, the worry there I think is going to work itself out, you know, as we get into the, the season. I mean, it's going to take a massive block by somebody like LeBron or somebody else for him to get the message in his head, like, okay, you're near the bucket. You need to throw this down with some authority. But, man, is he quick. I mean, man, can he run. And I love that about Tari Eason. He plays like his head is on fire. You know, and I think up until last year, this team has lacked, I would say, in the last three years, some energy. You know, there's so many guys that play just so passive aggressively, in my opinion. Like Eric Gordon, ever since the Rockets traded away all of their big talent, Eric Gordon's game has taken such a step back because he doesn't play inspired basketball. Neither did Christian Wood. I mean, I, you know, I can't tell if you're a Christian Wood fan or not. I'm, I'm kidding. You know, <laughs> I think that goes without saying. I mean, everybody in Houston, not a big Christian Wood guy, or fans, I should say. The Rockets replaced a lot of that dead weight, I'll call it, with guys like Jabari Smith, team first guy. Tari Eason will give effort on the defensive end. He's a starting caliber forward in the next six months, the way I see it. Energy-wise, yeah, Christian Wood was a problem. Uh, KPJ, it, it, it's, it wasn't consistent. And Eric Gordon, you're right. He, he might have let up off the gas a little bit. There are nights when he looks like he's into it. There are other nights when he doesn't. When he plays well, the Rockets were winning last year. So, you know, that's something to keep in mind. One of the things I was going to ask you about also, and a, a guy that we haven't gotten into, you and me yet, but there's a big range among the fan base on what Deshaun Nix is, what the spectrum of Deshaun Nix is. I'm about as down on him as anybody. And I'd send him to the G League and tell him, don't come back till you got a mid-range game, either a 14 or 16 footer or floater or something like that. Because the only way he makes shots are open layups and three pointers. And sometimes he jumps up in the air and he doesn't know where he's going to go with the ball when he gets to the basket or he jumps up. And he just gets a shot blocked because he doesn't have a floater. He doesn't know what to do when he, once he gets around the basket. And it's not like I, I, I see Ty Ty as a star, but that 12 minutes when KPJ is not on the floor, I trust Ty Ty for that 12 minutes a game more than Knicks. Where are you on the Deshaun Knicks experience? <laughs> he sucks. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know if, you know, I don't know how else I can put it. You know, when I do my show, I, I don't hold anything back on guys. I give my personal opinion, whether it's right, whether it's wrong. He's not good. You know, he, I, I love the, the day and age that we live in. And I'm 31 years old. Like, I remember following sports where social media was not a thing. And it was so much more fun. Because now it feels like you have to have an opinion on every time the guy dribbles a ball. And I'm like, congrats. He had, what, one and a half decent games in summer league? And we're all of a sudden ready to call him the backup point guard for the Rockets. It's ridiculous, right? If I'm going to make a million-dollar bet, I'm betting on Ty Ty Washington. And it's not even close. Like, the guy, Deshaun Nix, who comes into camp, he looks like he put on 15 to 20 pounds in the offseason. And not necessarily in a positive way. You know, guys you could play heavier. Guys like Bonzi Wells. I'm not saying Deshaun Nix is Bonzi Wells. But Bonzi Wells, no matter how much weight he put on, he could still ball. Ty Ty Washington looks like prototypical pass first point guard. Won't lose the game for you. You know, he's, he's the Matt Hasselbeck of, of basketball. 
Just make enough plays when we need you to, but we have enough playmakers. The Rockets are fine scoring the basketball. They showed that last year down the stretch. They can score. What they really need is a floor general. Deshaun Nix had his chance last year. He blew it. Is he does he is deserving of another shot in camp? Yes. Do I think that if you put him and Ty Ty Washington in a true battle in camp, Ty Ty Washington will wipe the floor with him? I have no problem releasing Deshaun Nix. And if he never plays a minute for the Rockets again, you're not going to see me shed a tear. Yeah, I think they got some money into him the next couple of years. So I think they're going to give him a shot. The Rockets have said in this offseason that they consider him another lottery pick. And we have to remember that he is still younger than Ty Ty Washington. I mean, you you go, oh, is it too early to give up on the guy? Yeah, because he's still younger than Ty Ty. He's still a young guy. There's still things that can be added to his game. The issue that I've got is I just don't see sort of that basketball IQ with him. And for somebody that it seems like would have had the ball in his hands as much as he's had it in his hands uh, over the course of his life, you would think that he would have more of a game than just I can hit maybe a wide open jumper. Maybe he definitely looked better in the summer league. And that was a big thing for me is like, okay, at least he worked on that in the off season, but there was nothing else. And he gets around the basket and he can't finish. There's, I mean, he just can't, he can't finish around the basket. There's a couple of times that he did, but I mean, he missed a wide open layup on a fast break. And, and there were just a bunch of times where he gets around the basket and people just block his shot because there, there's no floater. He doesn't have plan B. When he, when, he's, when he drives past the three-point line, there isn't a plan B. It's either pass or take some crazy shot, which he doesn't have any idea what he's, where it's going or what's going to happen. Yeah, you also got to think, man, Ty Ty Washington reminds me of a Rajon Rondo. You know, Rondo never was going to be a great shooter, but he did so many other things well. Great passer, above-average defender, could hit a three-point shot when you need him to. What is Deshaun Nix? Like, Deshaun Nix doesn't do, like you just outlined, anything really well. If he did all of these things and was a 43 or 44% three-point shooter, this is a totally different story, but he's not. And the Rockets are in desperate need of guys when they hit the floor that they know what they're doing, they look like they belong, and too many times Deshaun Nix looks like he doesn't belong. So if I'm going to give minutes to somebody, I'm going to give it to a Ty Ty Washington who's very reminiscent of a guy like a Rondo, a DJ Augustine, you know? So... I'm excited for Ty Ty Washington. I think I said it before. I could see if the Rockets don't work things out with KPJ extension wise, they could be looking to a guy like a Ty Ty Washington as their starting point guard, not the first game of this season, but a year from now. What do you do with the KPJ extension? Because that's something that's come, come around recently. <laughs> and I, you know, I, I, I'm still of the let's wait and see. Let's see what happens this year. Um, in the off season, everybody worries about everybody's going to get the bank from somebody else. I mean, don't tell me that anybody's not seeing the same thing you are. So, you know, it, it, now it's a weak free agent class. And, and I think that's one thing the Rockets fans don't realize. I think there's all this money available, but then you start looking at the names out there and there's not a whole lot that gets you really excited. If you're the Rockets to throw money at, um, well, he's not as big, obviously as some sort of max or $30 million contract, but he's, he's not the mid-level exception. You're going to be paying him in that basically Eric Gordon range, maybe a little bit less. I look at some of the Thunder contracts that they've given to some guys. I'm like, really? You're giving that, you know, so I don't know what he's worth, but you know, for me, if you got to pay him more than 15 to $20 million a year next year, I, I would be surprised. Well, here's the thing, right? First of all, 
a lot of people were down on him with the incident that happened this past season when he left the, the arena. I'm, I'm one of the people that I actually liked him more after that than before that incident because it shows that he cares, right? It shows that he gives a damn, you know, about the, the status of the team, the way that they look night in and night out. These guys are professional basketball players, and they're getting their heads beat in every night. He had enough. So I'm a KPJ guy. My problem with Kevin Porter Jr. is, again, the Rockets are playing him out of position. He's not a point guard. For the people out there that want to tell me he's a point guard, no, he's not. Watch him play. The way that he approaches the game is not from the standpoint of, I'm going to look to get my teammates involved first. It's not him. Never was him. That's part, of, that's part of the reason why Cleveland moved on from him so quickly. He's a hothead who just wants to go get a bucket whenever he wants. There's nothing wrong with that. If the Rockets could figure out a way to convince Kevin Porter Jr. to become the Rockets' new Eric Gordon, come off the bench, be our bench guy. You'll come in, give incredible energy, and we're going to put you in a spot of you're going to be able to say, here's the ball, go get a bucket. You're going up against the other team's backups for the most part. Play him 18 to 20 minutes a night. Get 12 to 16 points out of him. If he's on fire, play him more than the 20 minutes. But embrace the bench role and i'd give him a four-year 50 million to 56 million dollar deal that's where i would land on him i think he could even play the three i mean the rockets don't have anybody that's set at the three and you know he's six foot six he's big he can guard multiple positions there's no question that his defense has improved greatly since the rockets got him and he's looked like a really competent defender as long as he's locked in um but I, i can see him playing the three um, I mean, everybody assumes Tari Eason, but, you, you know, we're going to have to see how the Shane Goon experiment goes. And it could be that Jabari moves to the center and Tari Eason's playing the four in this new NBA. But or however you want to call it, I hate even saying three, four, five. I mean, they, they, those guys could all defend, you know, in, in, in a way that's really I think they could defend in a way that's real capable in, in, in the current NBA. If you had a front court of Porter, Eason and Jabari. Well, I also think that if you look at this and you say, okay, let's fast forward a year from now, right? What happens if the Rockets end up with Scoot Henderson in next year's draft? There's your starting point guard right there. You'd have to move on from Kevin Porter Jr. at that spot anyway, because it's not like you're going to draft Scoot Henderson and try and move everybody out of position. He's a point guard. Give me that problem. (laughs) Well, exactly, right? That's what I'm saying is give me that problem forecast to next year, right? And you have a starting five of Scoot Henderson, Jalen Green, Tari Eason, Jabari Smith, and and, – and Shangun, and your bench all of a sudden looks like Kevin Porter Jr., more at the two or the shooting guard, with Ty Ty Washington as his floor mate, who's going to set him up to be much more productive in the type of game that he wants to play. You have Jay Sean Tate at the three. You've got, you know, you hang on to KJ Martin. You have got Usman Garuba. You all of a sudden have options there. But the problem is, look at what the Rockets have tried to plan for the last two years. They've had the worst record of any team in the NBA by seven. I think it's either seven or eight games the last two years. Not one of those two drafts do the Rockets come out of the draft with the number one pick. That's a problem. And in the NBA, when you have these flat odds, you can't plan for that. The Rockets could have the fourth worst record in the league next year, and they end up with Victor Wenbanyama and end up with the number one pick. You just don't know. And that's why the point that you brought up before was so well-founded And what I keep trying to scream from the rooftops of 
People who are saying the Rockets are a year away, why would they want to go after DeAndre Ayton or Colin Sexton? Because if you can get those guys, there's no guarantee you're going to get anybody next year. Well, I mean, what are you saving your money for? LeBron James is not coming here. You've already had Russell Westbrook. Like, what are you banking on getting next year? And why would they want to come to Houston? Outside of no state income tax and people love living here. It's about it. Playing with Jalen Green, that's cool. It's fun. Jabari Smith, good player. But that's my point, is if you can improve your roster at any point, do it. Yeah, well, you're talking to the guy that I, I was just talking with Ben the last podcast, and I've talked on Spaces. You know, I, I would at least think about the Donovan Mitchell trade and and and, and bringing him here. Uh, I, I'm, it seems like I'm I'm the the guy that's uh, yelling in a forest with nobody around, and everybody doesn't agree with me. But let me ask you this, because typically NBA coaches go with a nine-man rotation. At the moment, I'm going to say, and you can if, if you differ with this, you know, Tell me, tell me in a second, but Jalen, KPJ, Tate, Jabari, Shangoon, Gordon, and Christopher, I've got those guys locked in as seven guys. I assume you would have Christopher locked in in your seven, right? Yeah, for sure. For sure. I, I think the one wild card there is Eric Gordon. You know, yeah. if, if they figure out a way to move him, which it's shameful that they haven't for either reason A of trying to keep his salary on the books for whatever reason. But I mean, he's a guy that deserves to be playing for a title contender. And if the Rockets asking price is too high, then shame on them. But yes, I agree with your seven. Well, EG said he wants to be here. And if that's the case, then, you know, I don't feel bad about, about him being here and it's going to be a deal where I want to see eventually what happens to him, what they get for him. Then I can tell you what I think when it's all said and done, but basically if there's seven guys and we're talking about a nine man rotation, that's two left, two spots left. So I'm asking you, who are the two players in the rotation? And Michael, give me what Silas is going to do first, and then maybe what Michael would do. Pick two of these five. Knicks, Ty Ty, Eason. I know it's between Knicks and Ty Ty. You're going to pick Ty Ty. But there's also Eason, Garuba, and Kenyon Martin. Who of those two guys would be in? There might be like a nine and a half. You know, or might be like five minutes of Garuba before halftime, and then he might not play the second half. But give me the two guys that would be your two front that in the rotation every night, getting regular minutes. See, I think they're going to go the 10 or 11-man rotation. So I don't think they're going to stay at nine. But if I had to choose two of what you just said, I mean, I think it's going to be – I think it's going to be Ty Ty. I think Ty Ty is going to earn himself a spot in camp because I think he's going to outwork and I think he's going to outperform Deshaun Nix not only in those two spots, but I think in, in the game situation as well. Tari Eason is a, is a shoe-in. You know, I think those are the nine guys. I think where you have to add in, you know, a spot is Usman Garuba. I mean, he's a first-round pick from less than a year ago, and you don't have a backup five. I mean, I know you touched on it before, Jabari playing some small ball five. I, I mean, I don't see it. If you're doing that, you're com- you're just – What's the best word to put this? Like you're, you're alienating his game, you know, because you're asking him to defend types of guys that he doesn't, he has no business guarding, you know, on a lot more nights than not, you know, if you're playing, you know, even San Antonio, I mean, you're going to put him on, on, on Pirtle because Pirtle will destroy him. That's what he did to the Rockets last year. Um, you know, so I think that's something to look at. I think they're going to go with a 10 or 11 man rotation myself. I think that's what I would do is if I had to choose two Knicks, or not Knicks, Ty Ty and Eason. I think if I had to choose only nine, I think they're going to go with Eason and Knicks. 
would be those two out of the five you mentioned. I think that's where Silas is going to go. Yeah, you and me both would want Eason and Ty Ty. And then I would probably give a few minutes to Garuba or Kenyon Martin. But when you start looking at things, it, it feels like more and more Kenyon Martin might be the guy left out. Now, now I would also say with Garuba, he is very Will Fuller-esque. He, he, he can't stay on the court at this point. He was injured all last year. There was one thing after another after another with him. Gets in, injured in the summer league. So we might not even be, be worried. And that's why I want to keep Kenyon Martin around because everybody thinks, oh, we've got 12, 13 guys. But guess what? Injuries happen. We know Eric Gordon's history. So he's going to be in and out. And there's going to be night to night where you're not going to have Eric Gordon playing. So I think you're going to see either a lot of Ty Ty or, or Knicks. And you're going to see some Kenyon Martin play some basketball because, you know, I, I just feel like, you know, it, it, it happens. There are guys that, that are going to get hurt. And I don't know what you get for Kenyon Martin. If you're getting a second round pick back for him, I think it's not enough. If you're getting a first round pick back for him, great. But I don't think you're getting a first round pick for Kenyon Martin if you put him on the trade market. So unless he's a sweetener in some sort of Eric Gordon package, which that's very possible, I just don't see how you don't have Kenyon Martin out there at least at some point and at times this year. Well, I think you, you hit the nail on the head is they've got a lot of decisions to make. I mean, Jeremy and I over a year and a half ago saw the writing on the wall. The Rockets are going to have to choose between Jay Sean Tate and KJ Martin. There's not enough roster spots to have both of those guys be major parts of your rotation. The question for me is if you attach a decent first round pick to Eric Gordon and KJ Martin, what can you get? What is out there that you can look to and say, okay, this is going to significantly improve our chances of winning basketball games. You know, a guy that, I, that I'm a massive fan of in Sacramento is Rashawn Holmes. I think Rashawn Holmes doesn't make a ton of sense in Sacramento, especially with the addition of Sabonis and now Keegan Murray. And Rashawn Holmes was just signed to what I would call a team-friendly deal last offseason. Could the additions of Gordon, KJ, and a pick get you Rashawn Holmes? And then all of a sudden, you're looking at a pretty decent roster where you just trimmed it down to where you, it's now more manageable, right? You do a three-for-one type of deal. You get a guy that you need. Rashawn Holmes has shown multiple times. He's a good rebounder. He's a good three-point shooter. Uh, he can average that 12 to 16 points a game. The Rockets have to, and they will do this eventually. I, I know I'm, I'm in the minority. Shangun is not the five of the future. He could be the five off the bench. He's not a starting caliber center long-term. And the sooner the Rockets come to that realization, the better off the organization and roster will be. Tell people how they can find you on Twitter and a little bit more about what you guys are doing over on the Dream Tag. Hey, man, we appreciate that. You can follow me on Twitter at BSW Podcast underscore MB uh, at the Dream Take, which is the number one podcast for the Dream, or excuse me, SB Nations, the Dream Shake. Jeremy Brenner and I, we do a live show after every single Rockets game, summer league, preseason, regular season, and hopefully postseason. Uh, so you can catch us on Spotify Live after every single Rockets game. And in the offseason, we do uh, at least two shows a week, most nights on Mondays and Wednesdays. Love the angles. I don't know if I agree with the Otis Thorpe and Tari Eason. I, I, I saw a lot of Otis Thorpe. I love Otis Thorpe. A little bit different guys. Uh, Tari Eason with a lot more range than Otis Thorpe would not shoot it unless he was about five feet from the basket. But, uh, yeah, very interesting takes and loved having you on the show. Thanks so much for doing this. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, it was a pleasure to join you. Let me know. I'm happy to jump on anytime. 
You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. You can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.